0: Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with your host, Ty Maynard. We're the starting point for sales professionals and business owners who want to gain more clients, score higher margins, and not be left behind in sales and business. Now, here's Ty Maynard.
2: Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Forget Patience. Let's sell something with Ty Maynard, and I'm your host, Ty Mayner. I am really excited about tonight. We're going to continue in our journey to in our quest to be the best in 2013 and beyond. The last few weeks, we've been talking about things that, that, help get, that can help get our mind right for 2013. We talked about the the five or the seven P's that can help us be successful. We talked about how we can be proactive, be passionate. We need to have a purpose. We need to surround ourselves with the right people. We also talked about how we need to eliminate procrastination from our life and that word from our vocabulary. And the last show, we talked about the secret to hitting your goal was to not focus focus on it, but was to be extremely active in the pursuit of that goal. And this week, I have as a guest someone that I'm really excited about because I feel that he embodies all of the things that we've been talking about in the most recent shows. His name is Richard Matthews. I call him Rich Matthews. and probably gosh rich i would say 20 years ago i was calling you little richie when you were in my sunday school class uh but rich yes sir yes sir i know we're going back a bit but i am so proud of this 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 gentleman because he's doing amazing things rich has a state farm agency and i think it's five years old now is that correct rich that's exactly right Okay, and Rich has led the Florida, the state of Florida, the Florida zone in auto growth for four straight years, and he ranked number seven in new auto production across the nation in 2010. Rich has also won the President's Club in auto, which this goes to the top 25 in the country. He won it for 2010, 2011, and 2012. He has qualified for Ambassador Travel every year since 2007 and qualified for the Chairman's Circle, which only goes to the top 3% of State Farm agents. He's done that 2009, 2010, 2011, and 2012. And the title of this show is In It to Win It. And as we've identified In order to be successful consistently, you can't just be interested. You have to be committed. And the term or definition that I use for committed is to fix yourself to a position no matter what. And Richard has proved that he can do that. And, Rich, welcome to the show.
3: (laughs) Thank you very much. You know what? That's an an awful outstanding intro. I, I like it. Thank you. Well, I speak the truth.
2: I speak the truth, young man. And, you know, we're going to jump right into this because I know there's a lot to say. And by the way, everyone, this show is live and you're welcome to call in. Our phone number is 866-472-5790. Again, that's 866 472 Five seven nine zero. Call in with your comments or your questions. We would really love to hear from you, Rich. Before we get too deep, I just want you to start by kind of telling us your your background. I mean, as far back as you want to go.
3: Okay. All right. Well, I'll do that. But before I do, I, I feel obligated to start out with a big thank you. Uh, as as you know and, and others out there listening, I'd like for them to know that you certainly had a big a big impact on me, and so. Um, I'm, I'm honored to be on the show, and uh, and I really appreciate it. So just I just want to go on record and, and, and let you know that I appreciate the time you spent uh, mentoring and helping me uh, become the person that I am and, and hopefully the person that I'm still working to become.
2: Well, Rich, thank you very much. And it was uh, an investment, and uh, I'm seeing tremendous returns, and I have to tell you I'm proud of you. So, right, well, I'm
3: not going to. I'm almost afraid to say this, but I, I still owe you some money. You haven't asked me. You haven't sent me an invoice yet. But I, uh, it, it's been a really. Um, you've had a big impact on me, and I really do, with all sincerity, want to thank you uh, for your, for your, all of your guidance.
2: It's my pleasure.
3: Uh, a little bit about me. So yes, I'm a State Farm agent. Uh, grew up in the Tampa area, and uh, I started out in high school. That's probably the best way. I was a kind of a knucklehead, if you will always mm-hmm. did well. Um, school came pretty easy. I didn't put a lot of effort forth. I was more interested, truthfully, in, in, in playing football and in, in, in young ladies, really. So I did okay. You know, A's, B's, a few C's here or there. didn't put forth a lot of effort. Uh, the light bulb came on for me when I went to college. So I, I graduated from Florida a in 2001. But uh, all the lessons that my parents instilled in me, they didn't really take root until I got to college. That's when I was out on my own. I was out fending for myself, and, and the light bulb went off, like I said. So, um, I became a serious student. Uh, I began to understand the importance of who I associated myself with. I began to think seriously about what my future looked like, and that's when the lessons that were were pumped into me really uh, took shape. And so. Um, yeah, for, you know, who knows when the light bulb's gonna go off, but for me, that's when it went off for me. I went to school in 95, and, uh, when I graduated in 01, I felt like, uh, I went from 95, I was a, was a, was a boy. In 95, I, in 2001, I felt like I was a mature young man ready to tackle the world. Um, when I was at school, it, I looked back, and I set a goal when I was 21 years old. And, and I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but one of the goals that I wrote, was that I wanted to be a millionaire by age 40. And to me, that seemed like an unthinkable amount of money. And at the time, age 40 seemed like an unthinkable amount of time. And I'm not 40 yet, but um, the light bulb went off. I started looking for ways to create wealth. So I started reading everything I could get my hands on. I started surrounding myself with people that had money. And it's funny, because at 21, I had no money. I was still a college student. But that's when I started to really to learn and grow and develop and um, have a thirst for, for, for excellence and, and trying to be the best person I could. So some of the things that I read at the time, and this goes back a while, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad was, was coming out around that time. That's when the stock market was going up. So I was trying to learn about stocks, got involved and learned about real estate investing, and I've really just continued to grow and develop in, in different areas along the ways of creating wealth. And that's still what I really focus on today is how can I create wealth for myself and hopefully for future uh, generations that, that follow me.
2: Okay, um, all right. You know, I, it's, it's funny because you and I and my son and your father, we were traveling to Lakeland, and I was talking to you, and it was amazing to me that every book that I had read recently relative to being successful or being successful in business, you had read already, and that was really amazing i oh, yeah. i was i yeah. was in awe at the time, so I, I have a question for you you know you're in sales and and as I mentioned in many of my shows, we're all in sales okay? Sure. A, okay in some capacity or another we're selling something whether it's just influencing someone but but tell us why you had an interest in sales and actually how you got started
3: well when I first graduated from from Florida nm I went to work for uh, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals first, um, first job out of school, and then I went to work for Dow Chemical. I was up in Chicago, and I was a territory manager, so sales. Uh, I traveled the Midwest. Now I'm from Florida, so it's freezing cold everywhere I go, so I'm traveling the Midwest, I'm going up into Canada, calling on different accounts. And what I, when the light bulb went off was I was working night and day, traveling ridiculous hours in front of a lot of people, was a great experience but what I realized was there's that I had very little connectivity between my efforts and my income I had a base mm-hmm. salary I had a company car and I might get three four five thousand dollar a year in bonus if we do well as a company but it didn't really matter how well I did how well I penetrated how well I grew my account volume so um, I said well you know I got to a point and And I'm looking out ahead, I say, okay, well, four or five years from now, man, I can be making $80,000, $90,000, I can get a promotion. And all that sounded okay, but I decided I wanted to be a little bit more aggressive than that, and that's something that's kind of ingrained in me and who I am. So I said, you know what, for the amount of hours I was working, I was like, well, you know, why not be a state farm agent? Now, my dad was a state farm agent, and I had no interest, but I saw the lifestyle that he was able to live, and I said, you know what? not that bad so you know mm-hmm. one of the quotes that I live by is one by uh, George Bernard Shaw and he said that the reasonable man adapts himself to the world the unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself therefore mm-hmm. all progress depends on being the unreasonable man and and I don't know if I just took that and, and I don't know what it is but I'm not unreasonable person I just am I've been that way and so the thought of working like a slave and maybe getting to $100,000 was like, "Eh, it's okay, but but why not work hard for 5 years and and get to a million dollars or 10 million dollars?" And so I thought that that owning a small business, being an entrepreneur was the way to do it. And then when I got a little bit more information about the business model, how insurance works, uh I just I fell in love with the opportunity and I just I, I got my I wouldn't give up on it. So I went 100 miles an hour at being a state farm agent, and I'm still doing that today.
2: Okay. And, you know, one of the things that I mentioned in one of the shows, uh, I grew up in a single family, a single parent home, and, and my mom was not able to do much for me at the time in a material way. But one of the things that she did instill in me that I'm thankful for today is she would never allow me to use the word can't. The sure. only way rich I could use the word can't was if I took the T <laughs> off of exactly. can't. Yep. And I've grown up with that mindset that if, if it's possible, anything is possible and I can do anything I put my mind to. And you mentioned a million dollars or 10 million dollars and there are people who are saying to themselves right now, I could never do that. Well, if you feel you could never do it, you're right. At the same time, if you if you say, you know what, that's for me, and I know I can make that happen, if you feel that way, you're right. So you had a mindset that you could accomplish this. Now, I know much of your story, obviously, because uh, you did work for your dad. And you, although you wanted your agency, you wanted your own agency. We're going to have to break in a couple of minutes. But tell me about how it was working for your dad while you knew deep down inside you wanted your own agency.
3: You know, to your point, you know, uh, one of the things I love from Earl Nightingale, obviously he's, he's passed away now, but in The Stranger's Secret, it says that, you know, a man with a settled purpose cannot fail, just can't do it and it's a law the same as gravity is a law. If you work hard long enough and you have enough stick you can only be successful. Um, and So that just made me think a lot about what you said about the mom, your mom and what she instilled in you, and I just believe that. So yeah, if you can't do it, then, then you can. But if you think you can, then, then you can't be stopped. Um, while I was working for my dad, I was working for him at the same time as I was interviewing for different openings. I counted six different interviews that I went on for agencies and I was told no for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. And I, you know, I, and I was just thinking about it. So was I wasn't coachable. I was young at the time. I was told I didn't have enough experience. Um, you know, my personal style, I was told I wasn't outgoing enough. And, and what all that did really was help to continue to fuel the fire. So, um, what those people could not see in me, uh, you know, I don't know what they saw, truthfully, but what they could not see was the fire that I had to be successful. And I guess for whatever reason, I'm thankful to each of them because now every time that I get up and I really don't feel like getting up early, getting to the office at seven thirty in the morning, I think back to those days when I was interviewing, and I get up and I go do it. And that's really, in a in a funny kind of way, that's helped me. Um, believe it or not, uh, well it helped we to want- drive.
2: We want to talk a little bit more about that because I remember those times when you wanted this. And a lot of people on the outside would automatically think, okay, his dad was a State Farm agent. He's a State Farm agent. Obviously, there was some nepotism involved. So sure. he, he got a free pass, and that's why he's doing so well. They gave him a cake territory. And that's why I mean who 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 can't who can't who can't hit all of these numbers with a cake territory? We are gonna talk about that now, it's time for us to take a break. But when we come back, I let's, let's let's get real and let's talk about what really happened because I remember the frustration. So it's time for us to take a short break. This is Ty Maynard, and you're listening to Forget Patience Let's Sell Something with Ty Manor on the Voice America Business Channel. My host today is Rich Matthews. Stay tuned.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need
1: about wealth. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network listening to forget patience. let's sell something if you want to reach ty manor or today's guest please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or you can send an email to ty at ty group.com that's t-y-e at t-y-e-m-a-n-e-r
2: group.com now back to the show Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience. Let's Sell Something with Ty Maynor. I am your host, Ty Maynor, and my guest today is Rich Matthews. He's one of the top state farm agents, really, in the nation, and I, I'm going to be bold enough and say North America. And by the <laughs> way, you're welcome to call in uh, to talk to uh, Rich or myself or ask any questions. The telephone number is 866-472-5790. All right? And, Rich, before the break, we were just talking about when you you wanted your position, and most people from the outside, it would appear to them it would be easy for you to get a position because your, your father, he's been a State Farm agent for how long now?
3: Oh, 25 years at least.
2: Okay, so 25 years, uh, they saw his performance. the Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. so it you were a shoe in for uh, an agency, right? <laughs> um,
3: so it would seem, but that's not actually how it worked out, but it would seem that way absolutely. Um, my experience was a little different. you know I, again, I told you I had six different interviews where I was told no. And one of the things that you helped me with, was, well, there were a lot of things, but one of the things was that I was not a victim. You wouldn't let me play the victim role. When I got turned down for an interview, I had to get up, keep on going forward, keep working on getting results in my dad's office, having the impact there so that I could build the resume and prove to them that I was worthy. You know, I think that um, it looks like, and in my opinion, sales is probably about 80% effort, 20% skill. And I had the effort, the motor was on, but what you really helped me round out was just the skill set. You know, to this day, I still use a lot of the things that we worked on. I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but you had me put a mirror on the monitor in front of me. So when I was making my cold calls, I would have the smile on my face. I would have the, the right inflection in my voice. I'd have the personality shine through on the phone. Whether it was 8 o'clock at night or eight, you know, 9 o'clock at night, I was making cold calls trying to get people... In for a life insurance appointments and you can imagine how much fun that was. But I remember those; those are the types of things that that drive me to this day, and they also allow me to coach those that work for me on the same things that you coach me on. So it it all comes full circle, and uh, and yeah. I'm grateful for it. But it, no, I it did. I had to get numbers, I had to produce, and I, I couldn't eat or sleep half the time because I was so busy worrying about making sure I was hitting the numbers I needed to hit, preparing myself my own
2: opportunity. You know, and I think a lot of times we do our children uh, a disservice when we allow them to talk about how unfair uh, sure. people are, or how unfair life is. I'll never forget when my children were young, uh, they came to me and said, well, Dad, that's not fair. I said, did I ever tell you life was fair? <laughs> I said, and, and whoever did tell you that, they lied to you because yeah. not life is not going to be fair You aren't going to get what you always feel you deserve, and you only get basically what you work for. And I remember the frustration that you had, and I said, hey, just hang in there. Just keep going after them. Keep asking for it. I told you, I said persistence eventually will wear down resistance.
3: I don't think they knew that I wasn't going away, Um, and you helped me with that because there were times where I kind of get down. But, no, you you always helped me get get centered, and and keep pushing forward. Absolutely.
2: Yep. And I think a lot of times, uh, especially in the sales profession, we quit too soon. We we, we don't take that extra no, uh, the N-O. And sure. what I shared with you at the time was I say, what well, just keep in mind when someone is saying no to you, N-O, what I want you to hear is K-N-O-W. They don't know enough yet. To say yes. So right. just keep applying that courteous determination. Now, now one of the, the interesting things was, Rich, I know when you finally did get your agency, they gave you an agency in Estero, Florida. <laughs> That's exactly right. Have you ever heard it's, of Estero, Florida? Not until you went there. I mean, um, Estero, Florida, I mean, they really loved
3: you. <laughs> I'm in the booming metropolis of Estero, Florida, home to about 20,000 people. And of that, I'm in Snowbird area, so I'm between Fort Myers and Naples, so I'm very seasonal. So um, in order for me to to hit the numbers I chose that I wanted to hit, I've had to think outside the box and do some creative things that a lot of people aren't willing to do and probably don't have to do. If I was in Miami or Tampa or Orlando, it'd be a little bit different. But because I'm ministerial, it's forced me to be resourceful, to be tenacious, uh, and, and go beyond my, my city limits, if you will, to, to write business, to grow my agency, to build networks, uh, and, and, and to be the business owner I want to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, because that reminded me of my days when I first started in sales. They, they had me. In rural South Georgia, I I had towns that I was calling on to the the tune of Meador, Ludowice, Sylvania, Rankin. I mean, small towns. And I was fortunate enough to be in the top seven out of 1,600 salespeople in these small towns. But again, that was based on, on my purpose. It would have been more punishing for me to fail than it was for me to not be able to take care of my family, so I was really proud with being in the top seven out of sixteen hundred. But in a sterile Florida, yeah. you have been in the top seven out of eighteen thousand. Yeah, And I do not, not not only that, Rich. I mean, you're competing against individuals in Miami, in Tampa Bay, in all across North, the country:
3: so, Texas, New York, yeah. California. Yes, sir.
2: And, and, and you're in the top. So, I mean, and on top of that, help us understand you started your business at the onset of a recession, yet you have been consistently successful. Now, I work with reps and one of the things that I hear when the, when the, the economy turns, they start singing these old spirituals, nobody know the trouble I see, swing nice. down sweet low, Swing down, sweet chariot, coming forth. All the of char- them, yes, sir. Yeah. How, how did you manage this type of success, starting a business against accomplished businesses
3: in a recession? Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind to me is the, the story of the Vikings. You know, when you know, the, the Vikings tell the story, or you hear about the story of whenever they would conquer a new land or go to sell a, settle a new land, the first thing they would do was burn the ships. I mean, there's no looking back. We're here. We're gonna make it work. So in 2007, that's the attitude I had. But yeah, the, the housing market was down. We were, whatever you want to call it, recession or um, depression, whatever, whatever term. But my thing is this: I didn't have a better plan B. There was no plan B. I was gonna make my plan A work, and I was gonna be relentless at it. And so that's the attitude that I had. So it's funny, you know, you know, you know, my job is an insurance agent. People say, "Well, you're a state farm agent." Well, my job is to help you manage risks. And hopefully create wealth for yourself and, and, and achieve your dreams. So it's a little, it, you know, it's not fun talking to someone about their retirement plan if they've just seen, um, the stock market fall 15, 20% in, in three months. But it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. There's never a good time. So I'm in it. So I may have to make a few more phone calls. I may have to drive a little bit further to, to meet people, but there was no turning back. You know, when I, when I told people I was going to a sterile, some of the other state farm agents that I was in, in the training class with at the time, they laughed at me, like, "Where is it? Why would you go there? And who would you upset to have to go there?" But what they didn't know is it, it's not the land; it's the man. It's my whole thing is this: I, my license is good for the state of Florida, so I'm working the entire state, and it's not out of choice as much; I have to. For me to do the volume that I want to do, I may be on the road this week in Tampa, I may be on the road in Orlando, I may be on the road in Miami, but I, I have to get the numbers. Uh, and since my license is good for the state, thank goodness, that means that, that there, there's no excuse. Everybody who drives a car in the state of Florida has a reason to talk to me. Everybody who needs life insurance in the state of Florida has a reason to talk to me. Everybody who's worried about their retirement lasting has a reason to talk to me. And so that's the attitude I take. I don't care where you are, have wheels, we'll be there. Uh, and with a smile, and I'll bring you coffee if need be, if it's early in the morning. So, um, that's just the view that I that I take maybe if I had a better option somewhere maybe I'd be doing it but there's never a good time so there's no sense in in making excuses and and what I like about what you just said is all those people that are talking about all that's wrong with the world that just makes it easier for me that that's one less I, person I have to worry about chasing after the mark the, the market I'm trying to get so um not that I um make light of that but hey um, whatever works for me, I've got to go get it. I've got to have that attitude. And if you don't have the attitude, then then so be it. Um, right, right. But but I've and never looked back, never let that be an issue for me.
2: You know, and looking back over the last two recessions, I can remember the recession from 2002 and the recession from 2008. Many people in my profession who were in training and development or coaching uh, or even keynote speaking, they would say to me, well, people aren't, in the mood to use our services right now things aren't going well with the economy so I'm just going to kind of sit things out and wait for the circumstances to change and that just always amazed me that they were going to wait for things to happen instead of being proactive and being a part of the change and I noticed when I saw you rich a few years ago right around Christmas time I noticed that you had magnets Uh, those magnetic signs on your vehicle on all sides. And I kind of mentioned to you that I had never seen an insurance agent with that before. And I said, how did that work out? And you started sharing with me these amazing stories of how people called you based on just the signs you had on your vehicle. Can you talk about and share some of that with us?
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was out of necessity. Um, I was broke. So one of the easiest conversation starters for me was to pull up with my, I have a big Chevy um, truck, big four door crew cab, big red and white sticker with my picture on it, my phone number, my email address. So everybody knew who I was. So I didn't have to come out making a big conversation. They just knew who I was and knew what I did. And that just started a lot of conversations for me. It was, um, and I still have it to this day. I now have two vehicles, and I like to have ten. Because what it's done for me is it creates a presence. People feel as though they know me, even if we haven't had a chance to talk about anything. The fact that I'm dropping my son off at school, the fact that I'm in a certain area and they see the truck quite a bit, it creates that familiarity, and it's just a natural icebreaker for me. So it's worked out great. Um, But those are the types of things that I just feel as though I have to do. I I have to go above and beyond in order to, to do what I want and have the success that I want. When I came to this area, the expectations were very low. You know, if, if, and I'm just gonna throw a number out, if everybody was doing 40 autos or whatever it is, however you measure it, I wanted to do 140. So what that meant to me is I have to do things different. I have to take risks. I have to be bold. I have to be more aggressive. And so that was one of the things that I came up with to do.
2: Okay, very good, very good. Well, Rich, this is good, good information, and it's time for us to take a short break again. This is Ty Maynard, and you're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with Ty Maynard on the Voice America Business Channel. My guest today is Rich Matthews, and we'll be back with you shortly. Stay tuned. <laughs>
4: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Joke All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk.
0: How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central and Noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel or listen on demand to our archived shows.
1: listening to Forget patience. Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Mayner or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at tymanorgroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R
2: group.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience. Let's sell something with Ty Mayner. I am your host, Ty Mayner. Our phone number for the show is 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. And you're welcome to call in. And my guest today is Rich Matthews and Rich before the break, we were talking about some of the creative things that you had to do to be successful. I mean, they didn't do you any favors really by putting you in Estero, Florida, but yet you have overcome that. You know, and also as we mentioned, you started your business during a recession. And one of the things that we all experience as sales professionals, as business owners during a recession are Price pressures. So, I mean, how did you handle that? Obviously, everyone's trying to save every penny, every nickel, every dime. And looking at auto insurance, life insurance is one way to do that. Were there less expensive people out there than you? And, and how did you handle that situation? How did you, how did you succeed in spite of probably being a little bit more than most, most of your competitors?
3: Great question. That's something I deal with on a daily basis uh, with with my sales team. Um, we, we really work hard at that. Uh, my answer to that is always this: um, it's, it's about listening. The client will should tell you what this, what and how to sell them. So you know, a couple of the questions that we'll throw out there the, right up front. We're on the phone with someone talking about auto insurance. Other than price, what else is important to you? Ask that mm-hmm. question. Shut up and listen. And what we're listening for is what's important to them, is it their fears, their dreams, what they're looking to accomplish. And once they tell you that, you now know how to help them. Maybe they had a bad claims experience. Uh, it, maybe it's um, fear of running out of money. Maybe it's they've, they've got a child that um, has a, a learning disability that they need to make sure they can provide for. Maybe they had a parent that had to go into a nursing home prematurely. So a good salesperson, and you talk about in Chapter 7 of your book, the listening chapter Mm -hmm. listen they're going to tell you what their issues are Uh, we know the price is always an issue so we get right uh, right on top okay other than price what else is we know price is an issue but but what i know is this if i do a good job of selling you on whatever is your concern is the price becomes secondary now i'm not going to sell you if it's double but if i'm within 10 15 20 i need to close that deal so we're going to we're going to find out What's important? I want to hear about, you know, tell me about your decision-making process. And shut up. They're going to tell you, well, i got to run this by my financial advisor, I have to run this by my, my wife, my, my uncle helps me in this category, um, and I'm going to ask them, you know, tell me about your past experience dealing with X. And I'm going to shut up. And, and if I do a good job asking those questions, and if I do a good job listening to the responses, then I now know what I'm selling. I know what I'm up against, I know what they're looking for, and I know how to create the solution that's going to fill what they're looking to to accomplish. And that's my job. If I can meet those needs, then I've done my job.
2: You made an awesome point because too many times there is another decision maker, someone that's either making the decision or influencing the decision. So we will give one individual the information to go back and do our job for us. And what I remember from my experiences, Rich, anytime I let someone do my job for me, I was unsuccessful. Uh yeah. if I got in front of both decision makers my closing ratio was extremely high it was probably 80 plus percent if I let someone else do my job for me to present my products or services my closing ratio may be 15 to 20%. So I wouldn't say something to the effect that they say well let me let me take this back to my partner and and present it and I'll say you know I appreciate you being willing to do that for me and it's really unfair of me to ask you to do my job. Why don't we do this? Why don't we schedule a time where I can sit down with you and your partner and I can present the ideas to them and answer any questions that they may have? And I'm sure you found that to be the same as well. When you get in front of all of the decision makers, have you found that your closing ratio goes up?
3: Absolutely. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how great your presentation is or isn't, uh, if you see the right people, if you're in front of the decision maker, the sooner you find out who that is, the better. You you, you save a lot of wasted time, wasted energy, because if I'm trying to communicate something to you, uh, and you do a and you just aren't able to communicate it the same way, it, it falls on deaf ears. So we mm-hmm. have to, you, and that's an, that becomes an objection that you can't overcome down the road. So if you do a good job on that on the front end, then you can address that. But but if you if you don't do that up front. Down the road, when they say, Well, I got to talk to my wife, well, what do you do? You're stuck. You have to get <laughs> in front of the decision maker as soon as possible, or else you, you're just spinning your wheels.
2: Yeah, because in reality, what happens is when they go to that partner, their wife, or, you know, business partner, and that partner starts asking questions about your products or your services that they can't answer. They will throw you under the bus. They say, Well, let's do it this other way then. But when they talk to you, they say, Hey Rich, I fought for you, man. You you would have been proud of me. I was like <laughs> a tiger, you know, but you know, hey, this is the way they want to do it, so I had to go with it. But I fought for you. So you're right, unless you're in front of both parties, you will never know what actually happened. You know, what I want us to do, we we have a few more minutes before the next break, but I want us to get it go ahead and get into it. Okay. I want you to start sharing some of your guiding principles or your game plan that contributes to your consistent success. What are you doing? We talked about, you know, last week inch by inch, it's a cinch to accomplish goals. So tell us your guiding principles or your game plan.
3: Well, there are a few, but there are a couple that are front and center um, that, that I look at and think about every day. So uh, the first one we've probably all heard of, and I'm going to talk. I'm going to say his name. Wilfredo Pareto, uh, and this is a gentleman that was, uh, he lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and what he was doing at the time, he stumbled across this law, so this is the 80-20 principle, but what he was studying was income distribution, and what he found that 80% of the wealth and income was possessed by 20% of the population, and so what he realized was that he, as he applied that to other things, uh, and I'm going to get this to business in a second. But what he realizes is that that formula holds true. And so, and he, in the times looking at his garden peas, 20% of his pea pods produced 80% of the peas. As an example, and and now if we look at sales, 20% of the things that we are going to do on a daily basis are going to drive 80% of the results. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. 20% of the clients are going to pay 80% of the revenue, drive that for the business. And so, what I do in my my agency, I, I, I keep it simple and I ask my team this every day, what 20% of the things that you're doing are resulting in 80% of your sales? And those 20% of the things have to be done religiously daily. And if you're doing those 20%, I don't have to worry about the outcome. So, uh, and, And as an example, if I have a salesperson that's making the cold calls on a daily basis, following up on the leads, getting the referrals, if I know they're blocking time to get that done each and every day, I don't really have to worry about the sales. The sales will come. The leading indicator is the number of calls that we make, the number of referrals that we get, etc. So that principle is something I stick with. Everybody in my office, no matter whether you're in sales or whatever you're doing, there are going to be two to three mission critical things that you have to get done every day that are going to drive the results. So we're going to measure at the end of the day. I want a spreadsheet sent to me. I want to know how many people you spoke with. I want to know what the outcome was. Want to know how you followed up? How many referrals you got? And if I track that every day, the sales just come. It just—it has to happen that way. Um, the other thing that I work with quite a bit is Parkinson's Law. And now this is one that we're not as familiar with in terms of the name, but we all have experienced it. And what this says basically is that the task that you're given is going to swell in terms of time, importance, and complexity. For the amount of time that's allotted for its completion. What do I mean? So if I have an eight-hour workday, whether I have a lot to do or a little to do, I'm going to find a way to fill eight hours' worth of time because that's what, in my head, I have as my deadline. If I have a year to hit a certain sales target, I'm going to wait until the 11th month to 12th month to really push to try to close the year out strong because I know in the back of my head I'm procrastinating. I heard you mention that earlier. And that's what that law refers to. So what we're looking to do is I combine those two. I want you to block time every day and make sure that the critical few things are getting done that are going to contribute to the sales that have to get done. And we're going to bring our deadlines out. We don't have monthly deadlines, quarterly, annually. I'm going to get it down to the day. Every day, if I want to write 200 cars or whatever that number is, what does that mean to me on a daily basis? What do I have to get done today? If I get that done today and tomorrow and every day this week, I don't have to worry about what's going to come at the end of the year, end of the quarter. I'm going to be tracking it, and I'm going to be accomplishing my goals every day, and it's going to get done. And that's the yeah, biggest that's, thing that I work with my team on.
2: That's exactly what what Dell and I was talking about last week. Instead of focusing on this big, monstrous goal, just focus on doing the daily activities that will help you accomplish that goal. And exactly if right. you do that, it's amazing what happens. You know, and obviously you're able to find some good talent, and I, I want to know more about that also when we come back from the break uh, because you have them following the system. And sometimes you have individuals that are working for you that don't believe in the system. They don't believe in the metrics. Uh, so I, I, I remember when I was a, a sales manager, and I had a gentleman that I had a, gave him a really nice territory and showed him what we call the propensity to consume in that territory, and he just said, you know, he couldn't hit that number in that territory. I said, why? You have this account; it's growing. He said, no, I can't do that. So if he didn't believe he could do it, he was right. So what I had to do was, unfortunately, give him another opportunity, (laughs) and that was to work for somebody else. And Mm -hmm. then I hired a young lady, Rich, who I told her the exact same thing. I showed her the, the PTC or propensity to consume. I told her the opportunity was great, and she believed me. And as a result of her belief system, she went out there and sold three times the amount he did and made three times the commission. So have you experienced anything like that? I mean, because I I think you said you have really approximately like 12 people working in your organization. How do you you
3: manage that situation? Good question. Um, Well, the success that we have helps. So that's that's the part. The the biggest thing that I do, and I think the best thing that I've done, and I'm going to, this is my term, but I stir the Kool-Aid well. And Mm -hmm. by that I mean I really work on the culture in my agency. And that starts before you ever show up to work. Before you ever come to work in my office, there are a couple things that have to get done. I'm going to give you books to read, two or three books to read, and then I'm going to have you come in showing up day one with probably 30 or 40 leads that you've gotten before you've ever gotten here. Wow. And and so two things will happen. My, My goal is always to hire at least two people. And um, and you put it in nice terms, but my experience tells me that if I hire two people, on the very first day, one person will come prepared, have all the books read, have the leads and be ready to roll. The person sitting in the same room right next to them is going to have excuses. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that I do is I send that person home. That person can't work here. Just like you said, you find them another opportunity. They can't work for me. And so what that does initially, day one, is it it, it sets the expectation with the person that's there. Okay, rich means business. Right, I make right. no apologies. I have high expectations for my team, and I have no apologies when I do that.
2: Before well, you that have per- to
3: do that. You have to
2: do yep. that in order to be the best, and and clearly that's working for you. Now, you mentioned something about they have books to read. I want to go into that a little bit further. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we'll talk about that. We'll continue with that. So this is Ty Maynard, and you're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. And I'm your host, Ty Maynard. My guest today is Rich Matthews, and you're listening to the Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. <laughs>
0: Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
1: listening to forget patients let's sell something if you want to reach Ty Manor or today's guest please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or you can send an email to Ty at tymanorgroup.com that's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R
2: group.com now back to the show Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience. Let's Sell Something with Ty Maynard. I am your host, Ty Maynard. Our phone number for the show is 866-472-5790. My guest is Rich Matthews. And Rich, we were talking about just now how you've been able to organize a really strong team or support system that's helping you grow your business. And one of the things you mentioned was you you hold them accountable. And most people don't like accountability until they realize the success it allows them to have. And one of the things I, when I coach managers, I say you have to inspect what you expect so sure. they will respect it and not neglect it. So tell me about that, if you can, in a nutshell.
3: Well, yeah, you know, the first thing that I do, I talked about how I have them read books. The first thing that I try to do is I have them put together a vision board. So if you come in my office, you'll, on one of the walls you'll see a whole bunch of cardboard or cutouts with different visions, goals, etc. Because the first thing I have to have them do is buy into the fact that it's, it's not Rich Matthews who's giving you a hard time. If you fall in line and do the things we're asking you to do, working here giving 100% is going to allow you to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish. So that's the first connection I need them to get. Their hard work is going to translate into them being able to do what they want to do. So if they can buy into that and they're serious about the things that they want to get done, I'm going to give them a track to run on. I'm going to hold them accountable. I'm going to have high expectations. But they're going to, get to hit the numbers. We're going to have fun. And at the end of the day, You're going to walk out of here feeling as though I'm, I'm one step closer to whatever it is they want to do. If it's one their own agency, if it's having the money to buy their own first home, buy a car, whatever it is, coming here is a means to allowing them to get what they want done. So that's kind of how I, how I start. Once we get the whys lined up, then we jump into the systems and, and it, and it just really works that way. Um, my experience is, and and I'll tell you, with everybody I bring on board, I let them know up front, I'm either going to raise the bar by hiring you or I'm going to lower the bar by hiring you. So what's it going to be? And, and I tell them, I'm not going to lower the bar. So these are the expectations. I'm expecting you to hit it. I'm not going to apologize for it. But I can point to the successes we've had, and and, the, and it's an easy sell. Everyone gets Okay. It.
2: Okay. Now, I've heard you mention a couple of times, and we talked about it at the beginning of the show, uh, the types of materials are the books that you read and one of the things in in my workshops, my fast-track sales camp, I tell people that in order to be successful in your career, you should be reading at least one book per month relative to your profession. I don't care if it's a book on selling, on customer service, on interpersonal skills, on negotiations. They should be reading at least one book because in the profession of sales, you, there's no static position. Either you're moving forward or you're going backwards. So share with us some of the books that you are currently reading or the material or you've read in the past that helps you and even helps your your, your staff.
3: Okay. Well, I, I can't name all the books that we've read. I am a voracious reader, but what I'll tell you is this. When they come to work for me, uh, there are a couple of things that have to have read. One of them is periodization. Periodization mm-hmm. is a is more of a it's a pamphlet looking book. It's by Brian P Moran, and it's all about execution and focus. And it talks about goal setting, keeping them in front of you, fighting against procrastination, and and it sets the bar for how I set my goals in my office. Uh, another one of the books that I have them read is is The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And that talks about the decisions you make on a daily basis, how it's easy to do, easy not to do, and it's a choice. It talks about to your point how if you do the right things every day you're going to go be successful. If you take days off, you won't. And it it illustrates that. Um, The next thing that I share with my team is Success Magazine. Now, that's obviously it's a magazine I get once a month, but I share it. We talk a lot about it. In that magazine, there'll be interesting articles. It's primarily about sales and entrepreneurship, and there are all types of different topics that come up in each. In um, each edition, there's a bound CD that you can plug in your car, and there'll be things on leadership. It, there may be something on social networking. There may be something on sales, everything under the sun, just great interviews, different topics, uh, and so that's something that, that, that I share with my team as well. I always, I won't drive my car without having an audio book in there, so when I'm driving around, I think this is a mistake that we all make. We have a lot of windshield time where we're sitting and just putting garbage into our brains. I refuse to do that. It drives me nuts at this point. I always have different books, different things that I want to put into my brain while I'm driving. Um, and so that's that's my approach. The last thing, I'm, and, and forget patients, let's sell something, your book. That's something that everybody you, <laughs> should be reading. Um, if you're serious about sales, then that's a book you have to have, period. It talks about so many different topics from what is selling, effective goal setting, Questioning, prospecting, you just have to have it. Referrals, it's just, it's an all-encompassing and it hits all the topics. And so these are the types of things. And, and, but I've read so many books. I mean, and, but what, what, what I'll do with my team is I'll handbook a, pick a book. So for sales, you might read something sales. On the service side, we might be reading something like right now, we're reading Raving Fans Uh as as a team, talking about the concepts, what they're saying. But I've read everything with my team from, uh, i have read rich dad, poor dad, with one young lady who wanted to get into investing, uh, the compound effect, uh, just everything. A lot of life insurance books because that's one of the primary things that we do here. Uh, but we we read, and and I encourage my team to uh, to read on their own, and we read as an office. One of the things that's driven my that helped me be successful is I put my team in stressful situations, and I know people aren't going to like that, but there's. There's uh the reason why they're not gonna like it is because when they, they associate stress with distress. Mm-hmm. There's another mm-hmm. kind of stress that I'm trying to put them in and that's U stress. I'm gonna spell it E U S T R E S S. And that's the kind of stress that you get when you're trying to get better, when you're being mm-hmm. so an example of that is if you come to work for me on a Monday, on Friday I'm gonna say, Okay, so far so good. On Friday I'm gonna videotape you going through an auto quote the discussion. We're going to role-play on Friday in front of video. So that's going to be a very stressful situation, but if I have the right person, they're going to rise to the challenge, they're going to prepare themselves, and we're going to go through that. I'm going to videotape you asking for referrals, and how does that work? We're going to videotape it. So we're going to put it on video, we're going to play it back, we're going to listen to it, and I'm going to ask, "So what did you think? What was good? What was bad? How can we get better? But those are the types of stressful situations that that are key To getting you up to speed quickly and, again, setting the bar, setting that expectation. If you have the right person, they're going to rise to the occasion and really do well in those settings. Excellent, excellent. By the time they get to the customer, life is easy.
2: That's true. That's true. Well, Rich, this has been an excellent show, and you have clearly provided, I guess, insight into why you are consistently at the top. In what you do, and I would love to talk longer. Unfortunately, our time is up. If someone wants to get in touch with you regarding insurance or just ask you questions, how can they do that, Rich?
3: Well, the the best way to do it is um, richmatthewsagency.com, and that's R I C H M A T H E W S Agency com. If you go to my website, email me, my phone number is there, give me a call. Uh, if I can be of service, if I can add value, if I can ask any, answer any questions, then I'll do whatever I can to help.
2: Very good, very good. Well, our time is up, and we appreciate you tuning in and listening to us tonight. You've been listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with Ty Maynard. I'm your host, and my guest tonight was Rich Matthews. Uh, I would say State Farm Agent extraordinaire, and we look forward to talking to you again next week, same time. In the meantime, forget patience, let's sell something.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. Ty Maynard will be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to you joining us then. In the meantime, forget patience, let's sell something.